Welcome to Scott Cluthy's Positively Incorrect, live on Blog Talk Radio. The call-in line is 347-308-8478. And now, Scott Cluthy and Positively Incorrect. Well, hello and good evening on this Tuesday evening across America, around the world, live on Blog Talk Radio. It's your host, Scott Cluthy, with another edition of Positively Incorrect. And, you know, I do so many different kinds of shows, but really the core of tonight's show is what I'm really all about, (laughs) positively and correctly speaking, of course. It's about the journey we're all on in one form or another, consciously or unconsciously, to discover and peel off those layers of who we are and who we are not. Oftentimes me acting in the role of who I am not to find out who I am. (laughs) But hopefully shedding some of my identity along the way to find even a a deeper core of who I really am and bringing that all forward to you with the great people we have on the show tonight. It's really a great honor to have Mada with me this evening. Mada, welcome to Positively Incorrect. Uh, Hello, dear Scott, and I'm very, very honored to be on your show. You may know her by her book title name, Eliza Mata Dalian. Is it Dalian? Yes. Thank you. I, that's one of the things I do positively and correctly is screw up names on the air live just so people know I'm real. <laughs> her seven-time award-nominated book, In Search of the Miraculous, Healing into Consciousness, and that's what really her journey has all been about and the work that she's doing. She has many other books as well and a wonderful new CD out called No Yes. Active Meditation. We'll talk a little about that a little later with Mata. And, you know, I strongly encourage and invite you to call in and question and talk to and ponder, if you will, with Mata tonight. I love hearing from listeners here on the show. And the call-in line is easy, 347-308-8478. And, you know, Mata, the book In Search of the Miraculous has been out for a number of years, but like all great works that move us forward in our own evolution, our own insight, some aspect of ourselves, body, mind, spirit, or maybe the whole totality, it uh, is not about shelf life. It's about the quality of the conversation and the depth of the knowledge and wisdom shared. And you've certainly traveled a long road to be at the point of the work you're doing now, haven't you? Oh, absolutely. Uh, a very long one, indeed. Yeah. Yeah, you originally... Uh, originally uh, migrated with uh, your former ex uh, to uh, to Canada. And uh, that's kind of funny how you settled on Canada and the U.S. But how did that all come about, by the way? Oh, uh, you know, it's uh, in, in this particular case, um, I was I was young. I was 24 years old. And um, really, at that age, we don't really have well, at least for me, um, it, it, it sort of we we live um, not knowing where we're going, what we're doing, and somehow existence just uh, um, sets everything up, sets the um, the, the foundation and uh, the background for us to actually um, do what we need to do on, uh, in our in our life. And uh, I had no idea that. Uh, I would be I would be coming to Canada, but the interesting thing is, and t- t- talking about incorrect, 
um, I had a choice to come to Canada or to come to the States, interestingly enough. And, of course, I was coming out of the behind the Iron Curtain, um, which was at the time the USSR. And, of course, I don't know if you know, but it's been so difficult for many people wanting to leave um, that country. Yeah. yeah. And, um, of course, the West was welcoming um, immigrants with open arms because they knew it was so difficult for anyone to escape from um, the Soviet countries. And uh, when the opportunity arose and, and I was given a choice where to come, I chose to come to Canada instead of the United States because somewhere in my young mind I felt that Canada is the land of the future, believe it or not. So this is how I ended up here. Yeah. And and you, from an early age, and really around the age of five or so, you did have an inkling. And, and of course, for a lot of our listeners, you, you may not realize, Mata is really a world-class spiritual teacher. She has uh, traveled a long journey along that way. She has uh, done so much inner work for her to share her outer work with us now on really having us touch the heart of who we really are, to guide us into deep levels of self-knowing, to guide us to a place of self-empowerment for that journey to our spiritual selves, and to integrate the healing necessary of the mind and the body and the soul and the beliefs to find a place of standing in our true identity as as cosmic beings of the birthright of an ongoing evolutionary soul on your own path and journey. And she has done that work for many, many years, and as well she relates for many lifetimes, as we all have, really. But she's mm-hmm. known for her no-nonsense approach uh, and really practical, which is so needed, of course, today in particular with our ADD, <laughs> our ADD uh, society hooked up on the Internet and feeding off the inner tubes, as they say. And she doesn't spend a lot of time dwelling on problems, abstract concepts and philosophies, but she teaches people how they can erase the original causes of those physical, mental, and emotional pains and suffering and discover that peace and joy of your eternal being, that which you really have the birthright to. But so many people seem to find so hard to locate or even to consider as they walk through their lives unconsciously far too often, as I know I often am. And that's part of the wake-up call, isn't it? So, yeah, and her work now and and the book reflects those many years of that journey and her story, her personal story, which is shared really at the back of the book after a lot of great instruction on many levels of understanding and working with different modalities, of working with different techniques and approaches. But, Mata, you know, when you you look at all the great spiritual, uh, really enlightened masters you study, Ospensky, Gurdjieff and Edgar Cayce. Uh, there's one in particular that drew your attention, wasn't there? Yes, indeed. Tell us and, a little about uh, who became really your spiritual master, if you will, for quite a long time. I'm sure still influences you in many ways. Uh, well, it's uh, a master by the name of Osho, which um, I think many people know. And uh, he's uh, increasingly becoming more and more popular these days and uh, with millions of books um, that are being sold around the world. 
in about 60 languages of uh, the world that people speak in. So my personal journey um, started with him. As a matter of fact, uh, soon after I immigrated to Canada and I landed in Montreal and I met uh, a Russian woman, as a matter of fact, who um, was um, um, she she went to the through the Second World War and she was probably my age when Germany invaded Russia and they um, scooped a bunch of them at that young age to work in their hospitals and then when they retreated to Germany they took those um, uh, young people with them and uh, she was one of them and interestingly enough when um, people were called back. Uh, or the, after the war, uh, the the door opened for people to return. Uh, the woman she stayed in in France at the time um, was in tears and didn't want to let her go. And she decided, okay, I'll take the next convoy. And and uh, fortunately for her, and maybe for me as well, um, she never took the second convoy because the first one, when it reached Russia, all the people were um, actually executed right there at the border. By by their own native, uh, you know, people. So um, the the Stalin regime at the time. So she introduced me to Spensky. Where she gave me the book by Gurdjieff. That totally opened a door for me. Of course, spirituality has always been the fabric of my um, essence, and I always considered it. Uh, the knowing thyself, as you so uh, you know humor- humorously presented, I think humor is so important in this case. Otherwise, the journey becomes very difficult, um, peeling away the layers. So uh, I knew that the most important question was to find who I was, and and I knew that at a very young age, um, as a result of witnessing my grandfather's death and asking those questions of myself, rec- recognizing that my life is also finite. And, of course, reading um, Uspensky's book, which is also called In Search of the Miraculous. And uh, later on, reading um, Osho's book, he he also has a book called In Search of the Miraculous. So this is sort of like the the third one in the trilogy. It's a trilogy, that's right. (laughs) Just like The Hobbit. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so uh, and you know I never even consciously picked the name in such a the miraculous I just meditated on it and I and I was looking for a title and that's what came to me. So and uh, being someone who as you may know um who developed the healing modality a brand new healing modality based on uh being able to read thought forms in people's energy and um, and finding a technique to release those beliefs and thought forms. So I heard the name, the title, In Search of the Miraculous, and I knew that that's, uh, that's what I have to call the book, and that's how it all started, in a way. My guest uh, is Mada Blatt, Stephen, here on Positively Incorrect with your host, Scott Cluthy, In Search of the Miraculous, Healing in the Consciousness, her award-winning book we're talking about this evening. And, of course, also a whole variety of topics and themes on uh, personal development, on spiritual development, and some of the roadblocks to that as well. And, you know, I always love to hear from you. Question or comment, you can put it on the little uh, chat blog thing I've opened there on the website, Blog Talk, or you can call in, 347-308-8478. Love to hear from you tonight. Um, When you talk about... 
um, consciousness, Mother. What is consciousness? That's a very excellent question. Um, In short, consciousness is the only reality that there is and the only truth that, that, that there is. In other words, consciousness is something that is never born and never dies. Consciousness is the whole, um, what the whole fabric of the universe is made of, and it's simply um, a quality of knowing, and knowing without a doubt. It's um, a quality of um, being, uh, being in a sense that does not involve the chatter of the mind. And consciousness is always in the present. So to be in consciousness means not to have a baggage of the past, not to have uh, the desires or, or the, um, um, the, the unrest regarding the future, and uh, basically not to, uh, to know that death does not exist and not to have the inner anxiety. Um, so coming to, to that understanding that I am not my body, I'm not my emotions, I'm not my thoughts, I'm not my mind, um, and I'm simply a witnessing flame, a, a flame that knows that flame is consciousness. And very often we equate consciousness to light because in light we see things. When it's dark, which equates to unconsciousness, we don't know what's there. And that's why it's in the unconscious and within light. There is, everything is seen, everything is known, and it's seen as it is. So that's, um, that's pretty much how I can describe consciousness. And, and also, consciousness exists within the emptiness and within the void within the zero point, which means it does not have any positive or negative polarity. It does not have, um, there's, there, there are no judgments whatsoever. Consciousness simply knows, sees, and knows what is. Yeah, very good. Thank you, Mata. Oh, and what is enlightenment? Enlightenment is simply experiencing and knowing that truth. And uh, my personal experience has been recognizing that the journey is the goal. In other words, there is no other goal than living moment to moment wherever I am. And also recognizing that universe is made of joy and it simply circulates one form, you know, into, uh, circulates forms, transforms forms, creates things, creates planets, creates um, uh, stars, universes, uh, species, and that uh, sort of like um, that the process of creation generates the state of joy, because every time we create something, we feel that joy on on whatever level we do. But enlightenment, understanding is that the whole universe is made of joy, 
Well, that's been my my experience, and also seeing that what pervades, what what exists as a permanent, constant, unchanging um, state is consciousness. And if we are in a constant search for enlightenment, will we find it? <laughs> well, this is a you know million-dollar question. If we do not search, we will not find. If we search, we have a chance to find. Um, it's it's the case with anything. If if we don't search, we we stagnate. So the energy has no chance to move. In order for us to experience enlightenment, the energy needs to move through our body, through our chakra system. In in its wisdom, existence created our body, and we um, refer to, to that creation as God. But what is God? God is simply creation itself, and creation arises out of out of the emptiness out of the void. So the body was created, um, evolved through millions of years and maybe billions of years, and we don't know how because knowing that everything within the universe is unknowable is actually to relax. Then we don't, we cannot, we, we try to know, but we cannot know everything. So the body has been created with those seven energy centers, chakras, which are transformation chambers. Simply mathematically put, each one of us has um, a, um, a part of the universal energy that needs to be transformed or can be transformed into consciousness from unconsciousness while it has a physical experience. So when we have a physical experience, and as, as we grow through our experiences, we transform the energy in each of those chakras. And I describe that um, uh, in detail in the book to what each chakra represents and what transforms, what kind of qualities that we need to transform. And basically what we're transforming is our ego identification. And as the energy moves, that's where the higher it goes through the body, the higher it moves through the chakras, the the closer we come to God or to consciousness or to the, the, the knowing of the universal truth because ultimately um, that process of transformation is what our life is all about. My guest is Mada, and we're, we're talking about her book and her work, of course, In Search of the Miraculous, Healing into Consciousness, here on Positively Incorrect with your host, Scott Cluthy. It's great to be with you live on this Tuesday night, and the call-in line is 347 308 8478. Always happy to hear from you. If you want to put something on the little chat box there, I'll certainly uh, offer and share that with Mada for you. If you have a question or comment, always glad to hear from you here on Positively Incorrect. And given what you just shared about uh, enlightenment and consciousness, um, uh, would you say, Mada, that this world, this world we find ourselves in, therefore, is a world of action? The, the, the path to enlightenment and to consciousness, to true sort of supra-consciousness, to that expanded consciousness that all spiritual seekers seem to be reaching for, whether it's through a religious paradigm or whatever it might be, you know, is about action in one form or another then. 
It's not a, we, sta- we not a, sta- a static state. We absolutely need the action to come to the point of inaction. And um, uh, when we talk about action, this is a really tricky thing for the mind to understand because the action that comes from the mind is the problem, yet at the same time, the paradox is if we do not do anything, we don't come to the realization. It's like we need the experience, in other words, of action and inaction in order to to understand or come to that stillness point and recognize that the stillness is the being. And it is different. In order to realize the importance of that being, don't we? We need to have the experiences to come to not this, not that, not the other, to realize that within the stillness lies the very essence of what we're looking for. Exactly. And if we did not do anything... um, we obviously do not move our energy, and no transformation is possible. It's, it's, um, we just stagnate, and many people do that. And you know, that's we know that many people simply um, waste their whole life in front of the television, or uh, or not wanting to look inside. They just, you know, they they don't take the initiative to do that work because it's hard. It's not easy work. You know, I would also submit, though, Mata, that a lot of people who label themselves as spiritual seekers or whatever also are the same thing. Absolutely. They're reading. They're reading. They're, they're, they think they're absorbing knowledge, therefore makes wisdom, but does not. And, and reading is and going to seminars and so on is the actual action of developing their consciousness, and they basically stay in their mental body their whole life. Absolutely, and you, you, you totally nailed it. And so many people are misled in that respect. And, you know, I have to tell you, I had, when, when I started working and, and devised this healing methods that I'm working with, many therapists, as a matter of fact, started coming to me for help, and they began asking me to train them to work with my method. And I frankly considered it, but then as, as the deeper I looked into, into the condition that people were coming to me with, I realized that I will not be able to train such a, such a um, profound sort of, um, I, I would not be able to impart it simply because to be able to work with somebody else's thought forms one needs to be absolutely in a state of witness and one needs to have worked with their own thought forms and one needs to come with absolutely a place of no judgment. Otherwise, how can you help or understand somebody else if you have your own judgment? And that's why I decided against it and that's why eventually I thought, however, the power of this method is such that it needs to be known, it needs to be shared. So I came up with the self healing version of it, which which works um, miraculously, as a matter of fact, after my experimentation with it. So I'm very pleased that, uh, in a sense, I decided to follow my, my um, truth and my own inner clarity and integrity that, you know, it's not about spreading the message and, and letting other people... It's like, I didn't want to mess um, anyone with this method because I feel I'm, you know, um, responsible. Yes, and, 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 and it's, um, 
you know, I don't mean to come down on spiritual seekers. I mean, after all, we all are spiritual seekers in some form, shape, or fashion, regardless of whether we're conscious of it or not or doing anything about it. It's as though the seed never got watered but decided not to break the shell yet. Okay. That's okay. It's your timeline. But um, but it's it's easy because this is where that particular instance I'm talking about, where the influx of reading hundreds of books and attending seminars and then feeling like, well, I got it, is uh, definitely, uh, and I don't know if you agree with me or not, it's definitely one of the wonderful uh, labyrinths that lead through the maze called nowhere that the ego constructs for us. That's very true, and and just like you said, Evan, there there are steps to the ego's development, and this is what I also um, emphasized in the book for people to understand that ego is actually it, it's not a it's not an enemy, and no. it needs to be developed to a place where it is absolutely healthy, in order for it to be transformed or to be dropped, because. Um, even therapists, when they do the work with others, they they haven't really done the work of their own ego that needs to be um, worked on, and uh, and and it's not even their fault because the education system does not give them that understanding. No, it's not included in the curriculum, as they say, and you know it's like a lot of things, but uh, like relationships. But uh, it's like I always say, you know, <clears throat> the mind, i.e., ego is a great servant and a lousy master. <laughs> That's absolutely true. And once we understand it, this this is another thing. Um, once somebody understands, the, even intellectually, then they'll have to go through the dark night of the soul because there are... You know, there are so many unconscious behaviors that we go through, and when we become aware of our unconscious behaviors, there's, there is pain. We feel agony seeing our own unconsciousness, and that's very painful. In the beginning, it's easy to point a finger at somebody else's fault. It is that I'm feeling this way, but the moment a person realizes that I'm responsible for what I project and how I live my life, and that's where the the true spiritual seeking begins when somebody understands that I cannot blame anyone. It's my choice the way I'm living my life, and I need to understand why uh, things are happening with me and in my life the way they're happening. What are my lessons? And once somebody starts looking at themselves that way, a brand new door opens, the door inwards. And this is how people come to wisdom. There's no other way to come to wisdom. And um, unfortunately, this is another thing that is that is not really encouraged because when somebody's ego gets triggered and the pain gets triggered and the, the, the wounded ego gets triggered, they they just don't want to feel it. They don't want to go there. They don't want to experience right. it because the uh, many times the social conditioning says, well, don't get angry, don't be angry. It's not appropriate to be angry. It's not appropriate to say what what you feel and what you think. And if you say it, you're going to be crucified for it. So therefore, people repress all their emotions. They repress their fear. Um, most people are afraid of death. They never, 
you know, they never admit it. They never speak of it. They they don't really um, want to look at it, but they feel it. And the older a person gets, as a matter of fact, I just worked with someone um, a couple of days ago, and he had this chronic cough for six months, and no healing modality was able to help him. Um, not, no, uh, no, none of the allopathic or, you know, uh, the alternative methods were able to help him. And he's still coughing. And when I looked into the energy, the cause was he was afraid of death. And it's a pattern of being afraid of death, life after life, and not looking at death straight into face. And unless we look at death and, and understand that death is an illusion, we cannot really transcend the, the being human part, and we cannot really become God. So, so the moment he saw through the work that we did that actually I cannot die, I, I will never die, I only change forms, and that was consciousness that saw it, then there was freedom. Then, of course, he doesn't need to cough any longer. So... Uh, my great guest tonight is Mada. It's great to have her here live with me on Positively and Correct, your host, Scott Cluthy, on Blog Talk Radio. And I always invite you to uh, call in, 347-308-8478, or uh, some of the folks there on the chat box. Hi there, good evening, glad to have you out there. And you certainly can put questions or comments for Mada on the chat box. I'm happy to relay those for my great guest this evening, the author of In Search of the Miraculous, Healing into Consciousness, and uh, what is the uh, the preferred website, by the way, Mother? You have a lot of great material there and things people can connect with you and find out about the, the healing and the work you have online and, and find out about the uh, the No Yes uh, Active Meditation CD you've released and all that. What's the preferred website there? Uh, the main website would be com. Okay, very good. And that's D-A-L-I-A-N, M-A-D-A-D-A-L-I-A-N.com, simple as that. And, you know, um, this journey of, of, of really confronting our own ego, confronting ourselves, being willing to, to, uh, to see how the ego is running the show, even when we think that we've got it situated so that it's not running the show. It's a very tricky little, little guy there, by the way. But uh, understanding the purpose of the ego is so important. What are, what are some of the... the Way, main ways, Mada, that you support people in starting to transcend wherever their ego might have them stuck in their own growth? Well, the first step would be to take the courage and um, take the courage to look inside and say, whatever I'm going to see and feel, it's okay, I'm, and I'm not going to repress, and I'm not going to judge, and um, I'm, I'm going to take the courage to do the work that I need to do in order to be free. Because truthfully, in order for us to come to love and be content within ourselves and become those loving um, people that we actually are by nature, we, we all have that ability to love. But we talk about love we don't really practice love. And to me, the practicing of love happens naturally when we take the courage to find our individuality and to live our truth without 
really uh, bothering about other people's judgment without really bothering about um, whether I'll be accepted or rejected or denied. So finding that individuality means um, knowing that I'm enough unto myself and I love myself and I don't need any savior. I can save myself. Exactly. I have a... I believe I have a caller on the line, so I want to always check in with them as soon as I can. And I never know if they're just listening on the line or have a question. I want to talk to Mata this evening from a 415 area code. Who's this? Hi, this is Sophia. Good evening, Scott. Good Good evening, evening, Mata. Hello, Sophia. Very well, thank you. I'm enjoying the topic very, very much. And Mata's doing a great job explaining uh, very difficult (laughs) concepts. Um, So my question is, um, I hear a lot about ego, and I don't know if there are different definitions of egos uh, in different spiritual schools, but um, what one I want to talk about, which you talk about, which I haven't heard a lot of spiritual teachers talk about, is this idea of of healing wounds that go far back and um, how that's necessary in the journey. Uh, And my example is I want to give is little children, they come in bright lights and like sponges, and um, we need to come in the body to, you know, have an identity and experience, as you say, so God could be experienced through us. But here are these little bright lights, and they start getting a lot of, instead of receiving love, they're receiving a lot of pain and negativity. If they're fortunate to have enlightened or awake parents, they'll receive love and encouragement, and their souls will be able to blossom. So being that these wounds go far back, how do you talk about that? A lot of people say, oh, it's in the past, drop it. But the fact is, that's under the surface somewhere in there affecting you. Well, I I love you for bringing that up, Um, and especially the topic of children, which is uh, one of my passions. I love working with with kids because – just like you said, there's such a bright light, and every child comes enlightened. They come with being present. They come with uh, the intelligence that we learn to to dull down and to dumb down as they start going to school. We basically um, try to cover up all that intelligence. And what happens with children and the the hurts that we go through or the pain that we go through as children? Every single person, in my experience, has their own history and has their own karmic path to learn whatever lessons they need to learn. And in, in case of children, it's not any different because the child comes from a previous lifetime of being an adult who died and was reincarnated. Mm-hmm. And what happens, they bring patterns with them that they need to learn in this lifetime. My experience with working with people, with my method, and, and, and I have to mention, when I work with my method, I go into the layers of the unconscious uh, to, to find, to come to the point for people to realize that everything happened for a reason for them to transform their unconsciousness into consciousness, to become awake, to wake up. And when that happens, there is an understanding that if my childhood was painful, and I'm talking about adult state now, I'm not talking about child state, because yeah. 
children really cannot come to that understanding as as children. This is where adults need to understand it so they can help their children. Um, yes. And this this is what we need to do as adults. We need to understand that we come into our family if we had a, a difficulty with our own parents. There is a reason why there was lessons that we needed to learn. And once we understand that, then we would look our, at our children as, what is this child coming to learn from me, and what am I learning from this child? Then there is an open door that you don't look as a, at a child as somebody who doesn't know anything. On the contrary, you look at a child who brings that fresh look because they've just come from that transition place, which Tibetans call the bardo. And they've left one life, they've come into another life, and what are the patterns that this child brings? How can I help this child? Because I've worked with my own patterns. And to give you an example, uh, many parents that have worked with me, they bring their children. And when I work with a child, it's so simple to, to work with a child because they see immediately when I bring that up and, I, and, and help them see those patterns from their past life, and they even know that they have had past lives. This is another interesting thing. Mm-hmm. They, don't, they don't doubt it. They, there's a knowing in them. When, when I ask, do you, do you know about past lives, they immediately go, yes. Oh, amazing. And when I bring up a pattern that they've had or the way they died in the past life being afraid, they resonate immediately, and then they're very open to re-experiencing of that life. And once they do, um, you know, a nine-year-old child being afraid of death, you know, she doesn't know death, right? But she brings the memory. So as I work with this nine-year-old, she suddenly saw that death does not exist. And she said, this is what consciousness is. She said, I do not die. Nobody dies. Amazing. So with that awareness, can you imagine the life of that child? What a blessing that child would be to her surrounding because she's not going to bring in more of those conditionings and, you know, um, more living the, the, the karma of her parents or his parents and add more layers to our unconscious collective. Yes. Yes. Well, that answers my question quite well. I, I, I understand it. And I and I wonder, do we get to a point then you're so enlightened that you don't need to come back? Yes, Or you we go do. back to another universe, or you go to another universe? I, I love your questions. Absolutely correct. Uh, once we once we learn, the body is a vehicle to help us to transform, as I was saying earlier, to transform the energy that is given to us. Um, by the universe. It's each person's responsibility to transform that energy. Nobody else can do it. Only each individual who has that energy, lives that energy, can transform it. And once it's fully transformed, that individual becomes one, uh, uh, one with the universe, one with, with that universal consciousness. There's no longer a separation of the I, the ego, and what is the universe in that state there is 
no longer a need or, or the, the, the individual wouldn't even want to come back into another body and go through a cycle of suffering again because being in the body, there's a certain restriction. There's many things we cannot do because we're in the physical reality and we're bound by the physical reality. So for the enlightened person to come back to another physical existence, it's, uh, it's quite a burden uh, feels like a burden, feels like a weight. So, of course, an enlightened person isn't going to want to come back. I have heard that each enlightened being has an opportunity to or has a choice to come back one more time, but that's it. Mm-hmm. After that, they, even if they wanted to, they cannot reincarnate into another physical form. And, yes, the whole universe is so vast and once we graduate from this um, experience, then we can be anywhere in the universe uh, because we continually contribute what our experiences and what our learning has been. And this is another thing that many people misunderstand. Enlightenment does not mean the end. It does not mean that somebody who became enlightened or experienced enlightenment stops learning, stops expanding their consciousness learning continues forever yeah that's an amazing concept to the, try to wrap your mind around it, it's Probably so vast it's so big day. that's right <laughs> what it. was that scott i said maybe for another day <laughs> okay. i mean new year's coming up come on 2012 we got to go hold they'll do that thing right? <laughs> okay so leave that for the, for the future right just witness now Okay. Thank you so much. It's been a delight to be with both of you. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you. Yeah, thank My you pleasure. For being, absolutely. Thanks for being out there. Uh, call in line 347-308-8478 here live on Positively Incorrect. Your host, Scott Cluthy on Blog Talk Radio this Tuesday night. Great to have you out there listening. My great guest is Mata. And Mata's book, In Search of the Miraculous, Healing into Consciousness, we're talking about that. She has a new uh, audio CD out, uh, No Yes, Active Meditation. We're going to talk a little about that. Right now, though, Mata, if you hold the line, we're going to take a break and remind people about the great companies that sponsor the show and make it possible. So you hold the line with us, okay? Absolutely. All right. You're listening to Positively Incorrect with your host, Scott Cluthy, on Blog Talk Radio. The call-in line is 347-308-8478. Stay with us. We'll be right back. My name is Sandy Vilas, and I am the owner and CEO of Coach U, the largest coach training firm in the world. In the last 17 years, we have trained over 40,000 people in 63 countries for a career as a business and personal coach. If you are a consultant, therapist, or social worker, or someone looking for a rewarding career, call us at 1-800-48-COACH to request a free copy of the book, Becoming a Coach. I was trained 20 years ago as a coach and have enjoyed a fulfilling and meaningful career. If you would like to discuss your career situation with me personally, I can be reached at 520 744 Happy, happy, joy, joy, baby Jesus in a basket. It's that time again. 
purchasing time for the family on the go. Listen, it's not getting any easier to stretch the family budget for the things you think you need. So wrap up a bunch of your list with one simple answer to a question you never thought you'd ask. How cheap can I get away with? The answer is the Snuggie Christmas Special, a one-size-fits-all bag of fun that doubles as your Christmas tree. A tree with a felt-lined, fire-retardant Christmas Snuggie. Now you simply lounge around eating and watching TV till the big day. And when the kids run down the stairs, you pop your legs and arms out, and the little LED lights in the Christmas Snuggie come ablaze. Isn't that different? Now the kids can gather around you and rip open their boxes in close family comfort while you remember all the cash you save by not murdering a tree. It's that easy to go green this time of year. And as an added bonus, the Christmas Snuggie has a built-in platform for your nativity scene and a lock-fresh fruitcake storage bin that will keep your fruitcake fresh year after year. Easily converts with a free set of candle holders across your arms and head into a nifty menorah when the other side of the family finally shows up, too. Mazel tov. When your holiday has finally ground to a halt, simply spray down, roll up, and stick in the freezer till next year when that fruitcake will come in mighty handy. Get your Christmas Snuggie and Menorah Conversion Kit complete with disposable chute and crumb sweeper wherever you buy your other crap today. Hello, your host Scott Cluthy for Positively Incorrect. Hope you're enjoying the show tonight. Have you ever thought about hosting your own radio show? Well, make me your broadcast coach. I'll share 25 years of knowledge and insight, help you create your show, the sound, the theme, every aspect of your program, and help you get launched here on Blog Talk Radio or some other network of your choice. Give me a call at 713-665-3969 or go to scottcluthy.com and check the Your Broadcast Coach tab and start your professional broadcasting career today. You're listening to Positively Incorrect with your host, Scott Cluthy, on Blog Talk Radio. The call-in line is 347-308-8478. And now back to Scott Cluthy and Positively Incorrect. Live on a Tuesday night with your host Scott Cluthy here on Positively Incorrect and my great guest this evening, it's Mada. Mada, hello, welcome back. Hello, Scott. It's great to have you here. Her, her book is In Search of the Miraculous, Healing into Consciousness. It's been award nominated and won those awards many times over. Uh, you also have a wonderful new uh, audio uh, CD out, Active Meditation, called No Yes. Tell us about this. Uh, yes, I'm uh, very excited about this meditation because uh, as you were speaking about being practical earlier, yeah. this meditation actually helps um, the practitioner go through the layers very quickly and uh, come to the place of stillness and consciousness very quickly. And what it does, it it allows you to begin saying no simply with um, just saying no with no reason at all. And there's nothing that you need to think that I'm saying no to. So um, after saying no for half an hour, and the music that um, on a CD it's been actually worked on, uh, I worked with a musician um, to 
create the music that would evoke and, and push those buttons where those suppressed um, energies of no are sitting in the body. So the music helps to bring them up as well. And uh, what, what it does basically allows to detoxify the body from all those repressed emotions where we um, do things against our nature when we say yes, when we feel no. So our whole body is um, is like a repressed machine of so many layers of repressed thoughts and emotions. So this allows for, for those repressions to be released. And then there's a 15 minutes of silence where you can actually experience that stillness within very easily without having to struggle and sit for hours to quiet the mind, which normally people do with the silent sitting meditations and, and have a really hard time to come to that stillness. So this naturally brings you there. And then the, the last 15 minutes, um, we're saying yes, and the yes becomes very authentic. For the first time, people experience that yes to the universe, the yes to themselves, and feeling of I belong here, that I'm not a stranger. So this is what that meditation brings about. And um, there's a beautiful music with the yes part as well, which you can dance with and um, just expand your energy and feel at home within within the world and within the universe. So a very short hour with this meditation can do maybe um, five years of therapy work that people normally go and talk about and don't really come to that deep um, transformative state. Of course, they can always invest those five years' worth of uh, dollars into it as well. <laughs> yes. They want to, or they can get the CD and work on it, right? <laughs> and, you know, it just depends on how you value your time. Or <laughs> if you like long, drawn-out processes. Apparently, some people do. When I see the relationships, they keep dragging themselves into over and over. Which brings me to another question about relationships, Mata. You know, one of the things people may notice after a while is that they have this relationship with someone, and whether they're married or not, or partners, or their mother, or their father, or their sister, or their brother, whatever, and it doesn't go so well. And they're not going to talk to them anymore. And they're mm-hmm. going to go out, and they're going to be a free agent, and they're going to get it all together, and they're going to go out there, and they're going to live their life, and nobody's going to tell them what to do. And then they get into another relationship. Only the same issues come up exactly like they were dealing with in the last relationship. And after it occurs to them, maybe, after two, maybe one, maybe five, they're reproducing the past through the power of this relationship they're pulling in. What's going on there, Mata? Well, um, what's going on is every relationship is a blessing and an opportunity which we miss. And what we miss is to ask a question to what this relationship is showing me about myself. Because every relationship is there to mirror parts of ourselves that we need to become aware of and conscious of and um, work on. And when uh, a relationship mirrors those things, and obviously what happens, the ego gets triggered because the ego wants its own way. The ego wants um, to subordinate the world or the other into its own likes and dislikes. And this is where we don't understand that everybody is in a process of learning and transformation and that we're not separate. So so the ego likes to separate in order to stay alive. And 
because we don't learn the lesson with one relationship, then we go into another relationship and the same thing happens because nothing inside us has been transformed. We haven't really um, understood. So then we keep getting into those relationships over and over again till we see that it's all about us. It's not about the other. And, and, and for your work and your, your practice, and I know this is way too, we don't have nearly enough time to go into this in depth, but what are some of the maybe one or two main tools that you would say in your work, uh, whether those are mental, emotional, uh, practical, that would help support people in getting clear in taking back their responsibility in the matter in relationships? Well, there are many tools. And um, in the book, as you know, I have many tools as well. And my favorite tools are the active meditations because they're state-of-the-art meditations devised by Osho. And uh, um, the no yes is another active meditation uh, because they move energy. They They take you out of the mind very quickly. And they let you experience yourself. This is the thing. Why people stay in the same pattern? Because their awareness does not go deep enough in the body. They try to do everything with the head, and the head can only go so far. That's why counseling or psychotherapy can only go so far. And after that, it does not work because the body carries all the memories. the, The body carries all the imprints and belief systems. Every single experience we've had is imprinted in our body. Every conclusion about uh, uh, an experience we've made is in the, in the body. So every conclusion becomes a belief which is also imprinted in the body like a program. And that comes from the time of our previous lifetime, from the time of uh, while we were in our mother's womb, when, when we were born, uh, as we grew as children. So there's many, many experiences, and each one, um, especially when they're traumatic experiences, carries a belief system. And all of those are in the body and in the cellular memory. That's why after a while, um, the psycho- uh, you know, counseling needs to be dropped and the, the active forms of how to get into the body need to be explored. And um, these are the tools I love to teach. And, of course, my uh, self-healing method, which will be released uh, next year, and we'll make sure that you get that book and a CD set so that uh, you can have the experience of it yourself as well. That helps people to actually learn how to identify those beliefs and thought forms that are repressed in the body. And through this method that, um, that I devised, and, and I work with one-on-one with people at the moment, there is, there is a way to actually release those beliefs. And the moment they're released, and the beliefs are nothing but like clouds in the sky that cover the sun, which is already within each person. Everybody comes conscious. Everybody brings, lives, breathes consciousness, but they don't know they, they do. And once the clouds are released, those beliefs and thought forms are released, consciousness comes to the forefront. This is where transformation happens. This is where freedom happens. This is where love happens. This is where um, uh, transcending the uh, the limitations of the mind and limitations of being human happens. It's all energetic. It's not mental. It's not intellectual. My guest is Mata, and the website is Mata Dalayan. 
and it's M-A-D-A-D-A-L-I-A-N, madadalian.com. A lot of great information there. You can order the book, find out about the No Yes CD, all that and more. <clears throat> In our last few minutes, Mada, you know, we're entering 2012, and a lot of people have a lot of predictions about this, the end of the Mayan calendar. I figure they just ran out of paper. I don't know. But but a lot, a lot of people talk about this as a great opening, another opening. But you know what? Every age and every people think they're the it, that they're all about it, or mm-hmm. at least they're close to it. What are your thoughts about 2012 as far as humanity, and what would you hope for for people to carry forward into 2012? Uh, my sense about 2012, I don't see any um, disaster happening. What I see is a great opportunity for people suddenly to wake up. And once people wake up, this is the thing, this earth has enough resources to actually take care of the amount of population that we have on the planet. We don't lack any resources. It's just the, the lifestyle, the way we live, we need to change. And um, and through that consciousness, through that awakening, there is there 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 is a possibility of changing the lifestyle. In other words, coming to a place where we can live on the planet with the resources it provides, without having the uh, money as as the um, currency of circulation. And and once that happens. This planet can really become civilized. Without that, I, I don't hope that it can, uh, can ever be civilized. So this is what I feel. 2012 is just a number. It, it's like um, the beginning of something. It's not like the, the world is going to end and something drastic is going to happen. But I feel there is a possibility of suddenly the light overpowering the darkness. In other words, uh, as I wrote in my book, actually, I had that vision where, where the light. Once you bring enough light, then you start seeing everything. Then you do not behave in a zombie-like, unconscious way. And there are enough. There's enough energy. There, are, there are many, many people now that have become. They're, they're carrying that light within themselves. And. You're one of them. You're helping to bring that light forth. You know, we're having a conversation. We're we're spreading that that um, awareness. So every little uh, aha uh, experience that each person has, even as they listen, that that helps to open up another area of light within them. And this is how this light grows. And it has power. And it does not. You don't need to go to war and say, "Well, one party won the other party, and you know now this party is in control." It just—it's going to happen, in my view, naturally. It's, it's a, a sort of natural um, transformation, but it's not going to happen in 2012. Maybe it could be the beginning, where uh, more inertia is going to be uh, created with light and with consciousness. And it's going to take some time for it to build to the place where the transformation, the flip, happens. But um, I feel it's it's just a tremendous opportunity for us to realize that there's a lot more joy 
to in, in changing our lifestyle in actually there would be a lot more joy if there was no money in the world. Can you imagine how much creativity people can share? Yes, in fact, uh, my good friend Dr. Carmen Hara, uh, in uh, the author of Holiness, uh, who's been on the show a number of times, feels that the monetary system is going to definitely be flipped through events that happen through no one's fault, but through a process of uh, really the, the the satellites to support our financial system going out for a little while, and people having to realize that their dependence is not on or something in a bank or digits on a sheet, and it's going to be a major. Uh, liberation and influence for people to open up to new ways of being about what we call uh, finance, abundance, energy, and how we exchange our value with each other. So she's in alignment with what you're sharing there. I, w- I want to thank you for joining me live tonight here on Positively Incorrect, Mata. Uh, it's been a great pleasure being on your show, Scott. So uh, thank you very much for inviting me. Well, I look forward to receiving uh, your new release in 2012 and having you back on the air and having you on my TV show as well. Absolutely. I'd love to. All right. Well, thank your your kind crew over there. I think it's Jennifer who helped make this happen. Jessica, yes. She did a great job, and you tell her thank you so much. And you have a very wonderful and happy entrance to 2012. I look forward to being with you again. Same to you. All right. Take care. Thank you. Thanks to all Bye-bye. my listeners out there. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks to all the listeners out there. And join me again here on Positively Incorrect. Don't forget, you can go to scottcluthy.com. That's C-L-U-T-H-E, scottcluthy.com. Find out about all the shows and check out the TV shows right there at the website. You can watch them. I'd love to hear from you. And everybody have a great evening out there. We'll talk to you again as we approach 2012. Good night, everybody. <laughs> You've been listening to Positively Incorrect with your host, Scott Cluthy, on Blog Talk Radio. All theme music provided courtesy of Mark May. Check out markmay.com. And thanks for listening to Positively Incorrect with your host, Scott Cluthy, on Blog Talk Radio. Mumada, thank you so much for joining me tonight. Oh, my pleasure. It's uh, it's been great. It's it's wonderful to be able to talk about these subjects. I think, uh, you know, that's the vibrations. They travel, and that's what's yeah. uh, building up, and it it makes a difference. Yeah, I know that quite well, actually, and I uh, I appreciate your work and all the work you've done on yourself to bring this wisdom and knowledge forward. So I want you to know that, and we'll look forward to being together with you again. Thank you so much. We'll definitely keep you posted. All right. Send my blessings to Jennifer. Look forward to connecting with you. Thank you. Thank you. Have a wonderful year, Scott. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye for now.